Welcome in, everyone. Farzine Vasugin here with you for another bonus edition of the Chief Zone podcast. Obviously, a very busy week. We've had some uh, former Chiefs coming into the podcast, and uh, we got another one for you. Very excited for this one. Former Chiefs kicker Nick Lowry in the uh, Chiefs Hall of Fame also owns the uh, record uh, all-time scoring leader in Chiefs history. And uh, he's very generous to give us a few minutes of his time. Nick, uh, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. How are you, sir? Hey, it, it, it's great. I just came back from Radio Row with, um, you know, you're just Fridays of Radio Row week, the last day of Radio Row and the NFL Super Bowl week. Uh, you have a, a bunch of celebrities. And I just I brought with me uh, a new friend named Jay Allen, who was a star on The Voice and wrote a beautiful song back in 2018 now with 700 million views called blank oh. stairs and we've just been educating people we're talking cheese of course <laughs> but also and he's a cheese fan by the way but uh talking about alzheimer's and alzheimer's treatment centers and the alzheimer's association and you know uh, cte gained a lot of uh, awareness if you will back in the day uh, with the movie Concussion and our former teammate, Mike Webster. So, but it's been rich just to celebrate life. What I come here for is not so much the game, it's for just seeing my friends from all around the league. There's a bond that you have that's just unmatched. Yeah, I've never been to Radio Row before. I've heard a lot of stories. I'm just, I've always wondered what that's like. I mean, you have, the, for those who haven't seen maybe pictures or videos or, or whatnot online, it's just a big room with a bunch of different tables. And essentially, it's a lot of radio stations from all over the country, maybe even outside of the United States that are there. Um, how many interviews would you say you've done on Radio Row this week alone? Uh, probably 30. Dang. Like that. Um, and, and now with podcasts like yours, you see yeah. all sorts of different types of technologies all the way from the high end on a big stage where I did, uh, moving the chain with Pat Kerwin and, and Jim Miller yeah. on the NFL Sirius satellite XM channel, all the way down to, you know, my friend, Michael Coleman, who used to be the CBS, uh, KCTV five sports anchor. And now is in Tyler, Texas, and he's holding by himself he's holding his camera and interviewing me and all sorts of things in between but it is its own phenomenon as, as jay allen told me because he knows nashville on the cma awards he said this is kind of like the cma awards on steroids it's just <laughs> incredible all the people i ran into stephen a smith he's taller than i thought by the way and he was nicer <laughs> than i thought which was good and uh just you know a bunch of really interesting um folks but um it's just, I just have to keep pinching myself, you know, that the Chiefs are in their fourth Super Bowl in five years. And and if it's a big if, because we got to play like we haven't earned anything, if we play that way and we win, we got ourselves a dynasty that, uh, you know, will go down in NFL history where it should be and hopefully continues to to be that dynasty for years to come. Yeah, we'll definitely touch on all of that. I want to get your thoughts on uh, the Chiefs and just the season they've had this year because a lot of people didn't think they'd get to this point and they found a way. They, they flipped that switch and uh, here Why they are. We? <laughs> we had that terrible game against the Raiders, you know, two yeah. straight turnovers and, and about eight seconds apart and and uh, then losing a game we could have won against Buffalo and just 
struggling and not seeming to address the, you know, the pass catching drops and, and our defense uh, began to just assert itself, especially in the second half. And then Rasheed Rice started to assert himself with five and six and seven and eight catches and breaking off roots. And what I started to say this week, really, it's so clear to me is Travis Kelly may be physically gifted, amazing in so many ways, but it's his ability to read the defense and know based on how he's being covered, where there's going to be an open spot and get there at precisely the time when the ball gets there. And Rasheed Rice has started to do that too. He's starting to ad lib. And that is so huge because when we get the running game going with Isaiah Pacheco and we keep the other team off the field with a few important catches from MVS, who's really turned things around, thank God. Yes. And of course, Rasheed Rice. Then suddenly Travis Kelsey can't keep triple teaming Travis if there's a threat out there. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, a lot of talk, a lot of talk, but in the end, you got to play when it matters. Yeah, we'll get into more of that. Before we do, uh, you got a lot of things going on outside of uh, football. Um, first off, you got a book coming out uh, later uh, this spring, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, talk about that. Uh, what's the title of it? How can people find it when it comes out? And when does it come out? By the way, you've got a little bit of a Patrick Mahomes voice, too. Just, just saying. <laughs> um, I, I've been told that a time naked. or two. Yeah. It's uh, the book is called Naked and Alone with Eighty Thousand People, and it, it's a way of it, it, of conveying what it's like as an NFL kicker. You're completely on an island. You're running out there. One voice is saying, "Holy Toledo, this is the scariest thing. <laughs> what are you doing? Why did you choose this life?" But your training and your discipline transcends that, and you stay focused and you get it done. And I I, I just love the lessons uh, that. I gave myself a chance to learn by getting back up 11 times after being cut 11 times. And the 12th time, which is a great biblical number, uh, proved to be the good one. Played 18 years, broke all of Jan Stenerud's records. And uh, so that focus on how does our brain work? How do we deal with moments of truth? How do we surround ourselves with mentors that really help us make the better choices, that remind us, one of my favorite words, to refresh the mind? what really matters because when we get tired, we can, we can find ourselves making, you know, mistakes because we just are too darn tired. We just aren't thinking straight. So um, keeping your mind fresh and of course, finding a purpose that's bigger than you. When I see Harrison Butker, I see somebody who's got a deep faith. And when I see um, Patrick Mahomes, he certainly has a deep faith and, and, and just playing for something bigger than you. Travis Kelsey does it. Most of the players you know, understand this is a tremendous stage from which to do a lot of healing and a lot of educating and a lot of pointing that spotlight that normally I'll have a little fun here. There's this little light here to help point that light instead of at us to point it maybe somewhere where it needs to go for the homeless, for kids with cancer, you name it. Uh, you're also involved with the Alzheimer's Treatment Centers of America. Uh, talk about that. What made you want to get into that? And uh, how can uh, people learn uh, more or get involved if they want to? Thank you. Uh, well, my brother Chris uh, was diagnosed with uh, adult onset um, Alzheimer's about uh, five years ago. And we moved him to Arizona and I kind of took care of him as best I could. We had him in a home. He did at first stay at my house part-time, but then he really needed to be in a senior home and then uh, in, a, in a, you know, recovery home. And he made progress. We got him to Banner, Banner to the uh, in 
Alzheimer's Institute and he took some pharmaceuticals. He took balancing, which really helped awaken his brain, just physical efforts in terms of rehab and balancing and then memory care. And he improved his score very significantly, but then he got um, cancer, prostate cancer, and it was in the middle of COVID and it just made things too complicated. So I felt like I got to do something to honor Chris. And um, I was approached by the Alzheimer's Treatment Centers of America folks uh, that they'd like me to be their brand ambassador. And, and so 6 million people officially have Alzheimer's. It's probably 20 million, to be honest with you, um, in varying early stages. But still, the point is what we've learned is that if we can diagnose early enough, we can arrest further deterioration. And if we have a 75% track record of success, means that even now, if people know what they have and have a strategy and work a plan with discipline, uh, they still have quality of life the rest of their years. And that's a powerful thing. And then combine that with the CTE stories of teammates like Mike Webster, who was featured in, in the movie Concussion, from which I did actually a pre-premiere, thanks to Sony Pictures, years ago. And we, we just got aging has got to be about more than just losing gradually your mental acuity. So staying creative, staying healthy physically. Um, I'm 67 and I'm passionate about that. Um, but we're just learning more. But uh, Alzheimer's Treatment Centers of America is uh, going to help rewrite the fear of aging so that we start to see aging as being something about aging with dignity and with grace and without quite that acute sense of fear that we're just going to gradually deteriorate. Well, that's really cool that you're involved with all of that and wanting to make an impact and a difference uh, off the field. If anyone wants to help out or get involved, uh, what can they do? Well, if you can go to the website, ATCA, Alzheimer's Treatment Centers of America, and or Alzheimer's Treatment Centers of America.com, mm -hmm. And uh, just let us know, you're not alone. If you got a loved one, everybody on Radio Road today had someone in their very close family or friends that has had or does have Alzheimer's, everyone. And so, you know, that says a lot, but uh, don't feel like you're alone. Come back, get in touch with us. Let's see what we can do to help you out. And our vision is we'll have a thousand of these centers in the next five years uh, to rewrite the the notion of aging into something much more uh, full of promise and imagine using all those memories and all of those, those mistakes and all of those lessons and all of those incredibly great choices too, to be the elder, right? Right till the end with great advice to, to have the elders of our, our culture share their wisdom. Um, that's pretty profound. That can change the world. So there you have it. If you guys want to get involved, uh, definitely do so and uh, help out. And like you said, this is something that a lot of people, um, well, everyone knows someone uh, with with this in their family. So that definitely is a, is a big deal. So that's good that you're uh, doing all of that off the field. Uh, getting back to um, to football and talking about that, because uh, we you already uh, talked about it. It was kind of an up and down year. But, man, uh, Nick, for a long time, you know, I, I was listening to a lot of people in the national media because there was a lot of doom and gloom locally. And you said, you know, there are reasons for that. But I, I'm listening to a lot of people outside of Kansas City, like um, Pat McAfee and Colin Cowherd. And a lot of people keep talking about how the Chiefs, Rich Eisen, flipping the switch 
And yeah. we're, all, we're all just waiting. Yeah. We're waiting for that to happen. And it took a very long time, yeah. but they finally got it going. They're on a five-game winning streak right yeah. now. What, what do you think? What, what, what difference are you seeing in this offense right now? Okay, I'm going to say a very unfootball-like thing. that I think there were some growing pains with the Taylor Swift thing. It's just a small part of it. But it was something that took a while to get comfortable um, because Travis has just exploded lately, right? And I like to think that Jason Kelsey in, in the suite there helps Travis stay focused even more so on the game. Not that he's trying not to focus. He's one of the greatest players in the history of the game by any standard, but that didn't hurt. And then flipping the switch, which is, gosh, we've been to the, the AFC Championship game six years in a row. We've been to the Super Bowl, you know, three times, now four. And everybody's had a target on the on the back and the front of the Chiefs for a long time. So maybe, just maybe, there's a little bit of that. It really matters when. We know when it really matters because that's exactly what's happened. I was there in that 23 below game in against Miami and Kansas City, and, and uh, I had a suite. I was in the El Bandito Yankee suite, then in the Evergy suite in the second half. But right before the game, I went down for 30 minutes with everybody that's never seen so much camaraderie in the stands. Even the Miami fans is like, we may die here because it is 23 below, but we're doing it together. And uh, that team switched. I mean, they 26 to 7 against Miami, four field goals by Harrison, which is what I think he's going to do on Sunday. Uh, and then that miraculous game at Buffalo where, you know, Buffalo fans are like, it's our turn. You know what? It ain't your turn till it's your turn. You know, Yogi Berra, it ain't over till it's over. And and uh, we just earned it. That is what's happened. We flipped the switch to, hey, it's time to show what we're made of. And, then, and of course, everybody pretty much, not everybody, but 90% of, of everybody were, were picking the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. Yeah. And uh, our defense was incredible. Our offense did what it had to do. And here we are again. So, yeah, I put my my eggs in one basket, which is four Super Bowl experiences. The fourth for Patrick versus the first for Brock Purdy. And while Brock is a very good quarterback, my friend Dan Minucci coached him, backup quarterback with Buffalo briefly, and coached uh, Brock Purdy from the age of about 10 all through into college. And he is an outstanding guy, doesn't make mistakes, keeps him, has a lot of poise. Um, but it is different playing in your first one versus your fourth one. And I think it helps. Yeah, you mentioned this defense and, uh, you know, Charles Aminahu being out. And that's that's really unfortunate. But a lot of people uh, just listening to uh, a lot of the uh, radio talk outside of Kansas City, um, just listening to a lot of national radio. A lot of people just feel like that this Kansas City defense is going to be too much. A lot of people feel like the 49ers have a lot of great offensive player, players. Obviously, Christian McCaffrey, Ayuk, uh, Kittle, uh, Debo Samuel. The list goes on and on. They've got a very deep offense there. But a lot of people very just... Much so. Yeah, a lot of people just don't know if they can trust Brock Purdy in this game. And if you take Christian McCaffrey out of it, if you can get some good run stops there and force a third and long pass, uh, people feel like the 49ers could be in trouble. Do you agree with that? Uh, Again, we have to do it. But yes, I think that uh, we've seen Brock Purdy in a couple games ago where he seemed to force the ball uncharacteristically. And I see that happening to some degree in this game. Uh, it's a little, it's a weird environment because only about 25% of the fans are your fans. And then 25% of the fans are the other team's fans. And the other 50,000, you know, it doesn't have quite that Arrowhead Stadium, 135 decibel sound to it. And uh, 
you got to remember this is the Super Bowl, but it's still a lot of pressure, a lot of time thinking about it for two weeks. And I like our chances. Andy has always had a good job coming out of two weeks of preparation. Yeah. And we're, we're pretty healthy, too. I got to ask you about Harrison Bucker, you being a, a kicker yourself. Um, right now, he is the second most accurate kicker in NFL history. Now, it's still very early in his career, and he's got a lot of uh, games left in his career, hopefully. But, boy, um, last year he had that week one injury in Arizona um, with the field and uh, kind of struggled bouncing back, was not um, very yeah. consistent. But, man, this year, you know, with a full offseason to recover, he's only missed two field goals yeah. on the season. Uh, what are your thoughts on Harrison Bucker? Best kicker of the NFL this year, period. And uh, not somebody that's going to try to stretch uh, right on the other team's end zone, right under the quarterbacks. Uh, <laughs> Harrison uh, has great balance and a tremendous combination of accuracy, um, tough mental toughness, power, uh, and he's humble. I mean, I, I, frankly, he has put on a clinic about how to carry himself, and I'm proud of him. I'm amazed by him, and uh, we're going to need him. That's why I'm saying 26 to 17, four field goals by Harrison Butker, three in the second half, and we're going to we're going to beat those guys. Oh, so 26 17. That's your score. That's my pick. Okay, who's your MVP? Well, if it's long field goals and, a, and one at the end, it could be Harrison. But I think. Um, I think it would be, I mean, it, it is hard to pick. If, if they can't stop Isaiah Pacheco, then the hat's on him. If they can't uh, stop Rasheed Rice, he could end up exploding, and I wouldn't be surprised. And, of course, Travis, 11 targets, 11 catches. I mean, that's just yeah. beyond Hall of Fame quality. But uh, I think what they're going to do is what most teams did this year, which is we got to shut down Travis because he's the go-to guy and make Patrick uncomfortable. But if Isaiah Pacheco can be the – just annoyingly aggressive kneecapping uh, running back. I think that opens a lot up for us and our defense, you know, we're just coming into confidence, but again, at this point it's Friday, the game's in two days, be ready to do whatever it takes and don't think you've earned anything. Don't think you deserve anything. Just a few more minutes left here with former Chiefs kicker and Chiefs Hall of Famer Nick Lowry. Um, you brought it up, and I completely forgot to put this on my notes, so I'm really glad you mentioned it. I'm sure you've answered a lot of questions this week about it. Everyone saw what happened in pregame with uh, Mahomes, Kelsey, Tucker. I I've seen a lot of different opinions, even from former Chiefs. Um, some siding with Tucker, some siding with uh, Kelsey and Mahomes on this one. Uh, they asked him to move his equipment. It was all in the way. What did what did you see there? What were your thoughts on that whole whole situation? Three hundred games in the NFL, counting preseason games, and never, ever did I see another player trying to warm up on our side of the fifty. Let alone doing it right in the end zone, right where the quarterback's starting to throw and might trip over his uh, the other team's uh, player's equipment. It's just crazy. I never would do that. We had Buddy Ryan the defensive coordinator for the Houston Oilers in that playoff game way back with Joe Montana and Marcus Allen and company, Derek Thomas, et cetera, God rest his soul and the anniversary of his passing. And when we saw Buddy Ryan with his big pot belly as the defensive coordinator for Houston, walk over to our 40 and stand as we're stretching, we laughed because it's like, really, you think you're intimidating us? And I'm sure it was good natured on the part of 
of uh, Justin Tucker. He's the best kicker in the NFL and probably the best kicker ever at this point. Yeah. Um, but thank you, because if anything, it gave us just that little bit more of an edge, like, really? You're going to do that? It, it, it's just disrespectful. I don't know how else to put it. I don't know how he ever thought that was okay, except that he started doing it and nobody bothered him. And it doesn't take away from him as a person. He's an, he's an opera singer. He's an incredible person and a phenomenal kicker. But I would never have done that. And it really shocked me. Yeah, I think Mahomes did an interview locally here um, uh, on 610. And he mentioned that the only time he's ever had incidents like that, all three of them have been Baltimore. in Baltimore with him. Yep. Yep. And I just don't get it. So, but anyway, it is what it is. And we found a way, you know, the other thing you do as a competitor, you use everything you can to be a competitor. You see this series on Michael Jordan. He used everything. He would make up stuff just to get a chip on his shoulder because psychologically now you're getting your energy away from being self-conscious and you're like, now nah, it's time. And you dig into a really a tough part that's not distracted um, and uh, that's able to really show what it can do. Uh, just a couple more questions left with you. Um, you joined the Chiefs in 1980, and um, you, you were there for the entire decade. Um, how would you describe the franchise in the 80s and the transition from that to Marty Ball uh, for the Chiefs? Well, I mean, it, the transition was having uh, Jack Stebbin and Jim Schaff and, you know, a group that had won the Super Bowl, but it was now, you know, 10 years later. And uh, there are times when you have to shake things up. And, and Carl Peterson came in. His first speech was about Lombardi's uh, quotation about winning is a habit and so also is losing. It's time to get that old habit out of the way. And put the people in place that really, really uh, put football first. And you think about that coaching staff with Marty Schottenheimer that first year. Tony Dungy, first African-American Super Bowl champion head coach. Uh, Bruce Arians. Almost certainly Hall of Fame coach. Bill Cower, Hall of Fame coach. Mike McCarthy, uh, Hall of Fame probably, but certainly with Green Bay. And, you know, I mean, that's a pretty good coaching staff. Yeah. And um, that turned things around because it really was not like we had great immediate change in personnel. It was taking on the personality of that head coach. And Marty was tough. He expected you no BS to work hard. Love that. As a kicker, he said, you know, Nick, I don't know how to kick. You either make them or you don't. If you make them, you'll be here. If you don't, you won't. I got a whole list of other kickers I can call. And for me, it's I loved it. Very simple. Work your tail off and be a dependable guy for the team. And we went to the playoffs. And I had 21 field goals in a row. 1990 led the NFL in scoring. Uh, 21 field goals in a row in 1991. 22 for 24. Pro Bowl game-winning field goal in 1992. You know, just... Being part and those field goals mattered. They counted. And I think that's what's so great about Harrison is he's making not only the kicks you expect, but he makes the big kicks as well. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's really good. Uh, and that's good to see. Um, one thing I wanted to ask about your time in the NFL, and I've, I've asked every uh, teammate of yours that I've had a chance to talk to. Um, the John Elway incident where, you know, he's asking the referee to silence the crowd in 1990. Um 
uh, you were on the sidelines, obviously, at that time because the Chiefs defense was on the field and the Broncos were up against their own end zone. Um, J.J. Burden mentioned that everyone was just laughing and have a, a good time about it on the sidelines. Uh, what do you remember from that moment? Because a lot of people still uh, replay the, uh, clips of that on social media today. Uh, well, it's such a whiny thing to do. Uh, the, the reality is true that if you're a quarterback from the opposing team and you're inside your own 15-yard line, it is hard to hear, especially in Arrowhead. And then you throw in Derek Thomas, who seemed to, on a regular basis, especially with Elway, strip the ball from him, recover the fumble, and often in the end zone. That is scary. And I think John had had one too many of those. So, uh, you know, um, how can you tell the, the uh, fans to quiet down? I mean, really? That doesn't happen anymore. That's for that is for damn sure. Um, last question I wanted to ask you. Um, this just came out an hour ago. A lot of football fans have been complaining about the streaming services. Like uh, you mentioned, the Miami game that was exclusively on Peacock, um, and it just came out about an hour ago that Amazon Prime will get a um, a playoff game exclusively to stream next year. And Roger Goodell did say that during his time that. A Super Bowl will not go to a streaming service, but I don't know if a lot of people are buying that. People just feel like we're moving more and more towards that um, towards that uh, level. Uh, what are your thoughts when you hear about these kinds of things? Well, it's hard to get in the way of, I'm not sure if we can call it progress, but certainly technological progress. Um, people whined about it on, on Peacock, but you still have, what was it, like 27 million people, which was a record streaming that playoff game. Um, but, you know, the, the NFL's charging, I think it's 7 million plus per 30-second ad. Is that what it is? It's a ridiculous amount of making a lot of money. And uh, it's important just to check and say, are we just doing this because we're greedy and we have to just make every last penny? And despite perhaps the, um, you know, giving some gratitude to the fans for supporting us. Uh, I'd like to think the commissioner does wait on that. He's made a lot of great decisions and the game is healthier than it's ever been. It's four times more popular than the basketball and, and baseball for a reason. So here's a stat for you. My friend, Steve Willis, whose son, Ryan Willis played uh, backup quarterback for the Chicago bears briefly for a few games, a couple of years ago, Ryan played in the spring league, which was a minor league. It's first year on Fox Sports Network. He was the MVP of his team. They won their, their equivalent of championship game. <clears throat> the ratings for that minor league football league in its first year were higher than the major league National Hockey League. Oh, wow. There that you says go. A lot. <laughs> so the NFL is doing a lot. It basically can choose what it wants to do, what, what it doesn't, because no one else compares in terms of the audience they bring. I just hope that they they slow down a little bit and make sure that they are showing a little bit of compassion for the everyday consumer. Well, Nick, uh, we covered a lot of ground here. Uh, I know you're very busy. There's a, a lot going on in Vegas, so we'll let you go. Thank you so much for your time, and hopefully we can do an another one of these uh, down the road. You take care of yourself. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and uh, we'll keep in touch. You take care of yourself. Sounds good.
I'd love to. All right. Go thank Chiefs. you, Nick. Take care. All right. Appreciate your time. All right. That is Nick Lowry, former Chiefs kicker, the all-time scoring leader in Chiefs history. Um, yeah, Harrison Butker, man. Um, and I remember the Chiefs were going through a lot of uh, kickers over the years. Um, I, I think Ryan Suckup was a very good kicker uh, when they drafted him, Mr. Irrelevant. And then they went from Suckup to Cairo Santos, um, who I believe is still kicking in the NFL today. And at the end of the day, it's like, you know, um, he played really well. Uh, but the Chiefs moved on from him. And I was very surprised at the switch from Santos to Butker because I wasn't really sure at the time what the um, what the logic was there. But they got Harrison Butker from the Carolina Panthers practice squad. And his very first game, if I'm not mistaken, Monday Night Football against Washington, game-winning field goal. And uh, now the Chiefs did get a defensive touchdown on the last play. And they didn't... Uh, they didn't uh, end up uh, doing the PAT because there were zero seconds on the clock and uh, it was pretty much a pointless um, PAT attempt there. So they didn't do it. So, yeah, ever since Harrison Butker's first game as a chief, he's been on fire. And if I'm not mistaken, Butker didn't he was on the practice squad for the first four weeks. And when he joined the Chiefs and started kicking a lot, the Chiefs were not very good in the red zone. They were last that year. Keep in mind, that was Alex Smith's last year with the Chiefs and Butker led the NFL in, I believe in scoring or field goals made, or maybe both. I can't remember exactly. So um, last year, you know, kind of a, I don't want to call it a step back year because he did fight through that ankle injury, but man, um, this is by far his best year. And I do agree with Nick. I think Butker, yes, Tucker, probably the best kicker in NFL history, but I, I think this year alone, um, I meant I, I Tucker, best kicker in NFL history. Butker though alone, this season, for sure, uh, the best kicker in the NFL right now. No question about it. Uh, only two misses, and, and that includes PATs, so very good. Uh, and I definitely wanted to uh, pick his brain on uh, Harrison Butker. Unfortunately, we didn't have a lot of time. Um, Nick and uh, his team, uh, we've been in communication all week. They've been uh, very gracious, very generous. Um, keeping it in touch. Uh, obviously, you know, this is a busy week and there are so many media obligations. I definitely would have loved to talk to Nick more. I see some of you guys asking uh, specific kicking questions. Yeah, Joshua, I, I see your question about onside kicks and kickoffs. And man, I, I mean, that, that definitely would be something to, uh, to get into. All right, guys, I'm going to be back in like three minutes. So I'm going to close this live stream. For those of you listening to the podcast version, this probably won't uh, apply to you guys. Uh, but what I'm going to do is end this live stream. I'm going to um, quickly upload the podcast online and I'm going to come back in like three, maybe four minutes and we will start the Red Friday live chat. So uh, don't go anywhere. I will be back in just a few minutes. Appreciate everyone downloading, listening to the podcast. For those of you who watch live on Facebook and YouTube, thank you guys so much. A big thanks once again to Nick Lowry for being a part of today's podcast. All right. My name is Farzine Vasugi and I will talk to you all later. Take care.